Welcome to This Week in Hearing. World Hearing Day 2023 is upon us, and we are fortunate to have Dr. Shelley Chada join us to, today to discuss the World Health Organization's awareness campaign on deafness and hearing impairment, as well as discuss her thoughts on ear and hearing health on a global scale. For our audience, Shelley, would you kindly tell us about you and your, your role at the World Health Organization? Thanks, Amin. Thanks for that question and a pleasure to join you here today and hello to all the viewers and, and listeners. So I'm Shelly Chata, as you mentioned, and I'm the uh, technical lead for Ear and Hearing Care at the World Health Organization. Um, in, in terms of background, so I come from India and I am an otolaryngologist, uh, an ear, nose, throat specialist. I spent the first half of my career working with patients in a in one of the largest uh, hospitals in northern India, uh, and also teaching students as a professor of otolaryngology. Um, but then I also did a PhD in public health, and the second half of my career, uh, up to now, has uh, has been spent really on integrating these two aspects. So that is. Uh, hearing health in terms of clinical hearing health, but then applying those principles to public health or applying the principles of public health to making hearing health accessible. Uh, and that's essentially what I do at the World Health Organization. I lead the program on hearing care that aims that everybody in the world should have access to hearing care, to services that they require to prevent, identify, or address their hearing loss. Well, we are certainly fortunate to have you and your leadership and you know, many of the, the tools and, and information that comes out uh, from the World Health, World Health Organization uh, under your uh, leadership uh, has really been fabulous. Um, you know, one of the things that I think has uh, really not been defined well within our area is the fact that hearing loss is a public health issue. Can you talk a little bit about that, please? Sure. So let me start by giving you some facts and figures. The fact is currently there are about 1.5 billion people who have hearing loss of some intensity. It could be mild, it could be profound, so across the range. Majority of them, of course, have mind hearing loss. But if we look at those who have moderately severe or a moderate or higher severity of hearing loss, people who we estimate require uh, require hearing care services, that number is nearly touching half a billion now. And the vast majority of them live in low and middle income countries of the world where services for ear and hearing care are commonly lacking, where human resources are commonly lacking. What we also know now is, is that these numbers are rising. By the year 2050, we estimate that over 700 million people would require ear and hearing care services. And there would be many, many more who have mild hearing loss, but at the moment we are focusing really on those who have moderate or higher severity of hearing loss. 
So that's going to be 700 million. And while this this rise is driven by demographic factors to to a great extent, you know, there will be more people in the world, more older uh, people. But it's also that risk factors for hearing loss are persisting and increasing. So risk factors such as exposure to loud sounds, exposure to noise, on occupational settings, but then also in, in recreational settings increasingly so. Also, common ear infections, which are extremely common in uh, especially in low and middle income countries of the world, these continue to affect millions of people across the world. And these are conditions which can be prevented, they can be treated, so that the hearing loss that is associated with them, that can be mitigated. So that's just to give you the frame, the, the problem. The fact is we have all of the solutions. In the field of hearing, we have clinical interventions, surgical interventions. We have technologies that can identify hearing loss in any age group, in any uh, setting, community setting, clinical setting, whatever. And we also have the solutions to address hearing loss through interventions, through technology, through use of uh, hearing devices, uh, use of various rehabilitative measures. But currently, what WHO estimates is that only 17%, 17% of those who are in need of these services actually are accessing these services. So that's a gap of over 80%. And this gap is high across the board. It's high in low-income low countries, of course, where it is above 90%, but it's also as high as about 74, 75% in high-income countries. So that's just to say that that is the extent of problem. So we have this challenge. We have solutions. But to make sure that the benefit of the solutions reaches this 80% or above that it is missing, we need a public health approach. And that's why it is a public health issue. And that's why we need, uh, we need to work at it from WHO. Well, you brought up a really important point, and that is the fact of accessibility. And accessibility is a supply side issue. So are we looking at a supply side issue in terms of not enough providers or are we looking at an accessibility um, uh, aspect in terms of the demand can't reach the providers because they don't have access or is it a combination of both? Um, so I would say it's more than that because I wouldn't put it as only a supply issue. I look at it more as a demand and supply issue and I, I'll explain why. So as we see it from a public health perspective, there are, you know, if we drill down all of the barriers that we think uh, restrict the growth of this field, we can kind of summarize them into two blocks. On one side is the awareness challenge, the lack of awareness uh, about the importance of hearing, about the fact about prevention of hearing loss or about the need to provide hearing care and, and so on. So there is this lack of awareness at all levels, whether it is policymakers or at the level of 
even healthcare professionals at times, and, and also at the level of the community, the wider community. And this raises the demand issue because the need is there. We see from the numbers that the need is there. But what is not coming from the community is the demand. And then, of course, there is the supply issue. The supply issue because, uh, of course, we have a lack of human resources. So in 2021, we launched the World Report on Hearing. It shows also it gives a lot of detail on human resource availability. And we'll see, you can just take a glance at some of the maps which are there and look at the paucity of human resources for hearing care. ENT specialists or audiologists or speech language pathologists or teachers for deaf and so on and so forth across the world. So there is also the issue of lack of human resources, but then also lack also of financial resources to provide training, also lack of equipment or capacity within the healthcare institutions to provide services uh, to people. So it's, and they, the two are not distinct from each other in the sense that they are interlinked. We know that from the business model that demand drives the supply. And that's why it's really important to focus on raising awareness and drive that demand, which can also stimulate the supply. But it's not enough to just uh, drive demand because we can't just create a demand and not have the answer, not have the uh, services available for people. So while we raise awareness on one hand, we have to also uh, complement that with uh, increasing the human resources that are available to provide hearing care uh, and deliver those services to the people who are in need for them. Yeah, you, you bring up an interesting point, and that is is that, okay, we have this supply and demand issue, but we also have this gap. Now, in the U.S., as you know, we just had the final ruling and approval for the over-the-counter hearing aid component. Do you think that that would, is, is something that will eventually uh, be um, accepted worldwide and globally, depending, of course, you know, it's very early in this process, depending on how we formulate the policies that dictate the use, the application, uh, and the outcomes from this particular new regulation that's come out. Yeah, certainly, I think that that regulation or uh, legislation from the U.S., has a lot of um, potential, firstly, to improve access to hearing care within the country. Secondly, I would say, is driving the market. So driving the shift in the market in how the uh, hearing aid service delivery is currently being done, uh, who is developing these aids, who is buying them, and, and how they are being provided. So I think the other is the influence it's going to have on the entire hearing uh, industry or the market related to hearing uh, services. And of course, the third is adoption by other countries. And I think there are many factors influence uh, the adoption. What we have to be what we have to be cognizant of is that 
while on one hand it is good to have the OTC uh, devices, but it must also be accompanied by the regulatory um, kind of provisions that ensure safety of those devices, quality of those devices, so that the uh, the consumer at the end of the chain is benefiting from it and, and is in not in any way going to be harmed. So wherever this policy is further applied, implemented, or adopted, we need to make sure, or the countries need to make sure that it is done in a way that is uh, well-regulated, as it has been done in the United States. So, yeah, but I, I see, like I said, the implications of this would be wider than uh, simply improving access to, in, to hearing care in, uh, in the U.S., uh, or driving policy change in uh, in other countries, I think the main impact of this would be to driving a shift in the market of hearing industry. That's fascinating, and and I appreciate your commentary there. So let's 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 turn back to World Hearing Day since that's coming up uh, uh, here in a week or so, and. Um, if you can just tell us a little bit about what hearing uh, world uh, what World Hearing Day is, uh, as you and I were talking before we 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 began this session, uh, it's actually been around for over a decade now. Started in two thousand and twelve, um, and and once we get into this, I think there are opportunities for individuals to take these awareness campaigns, as you talk about, uh, and and use them locally. That would then benefit them increase that demand and allow them to meet the supply meet the the, the supply meet the demand uh in those in those uh in those areas yeah so the world hearing day is uh, is really our annual advocacy event where we want to bring uh evidence-based messages that are uh, well developed by WHO. So we spend a lot of time developing the data, developing the information that informs these uh, messages, and then also by packaging it in a way uh, that is uh, those messages can be used by our uh, partners in the field. So whether that is um, people working in countries or within the WHO, realm or the WHO universe, but also anybody could be used by any individual, could be used by well, journals, publications, as well as by, uh, you know, NGOs, big and small, working in the communities. So the idea is that we bring these uh, messages, evidence-based messages, which on one hand, so usually we always have a dual purpose. So on one hand, this is our day to raise awareness within the community to try and bridge that gap. When I say the community, I mean the general population. Um, so bring those messages about simple things like how to protect your hearing or why to protect it, about uh, ear care, so what to do, what not to do, simple tips or uh, how to check your hearing or when to suspect hearing loss uh, or what to do if you suspect hearing loss and things like that. But then the second target of this uh, of this day uh, are really policymakers. So because we also want to use this day to sensitize them to the need and the importance of uh, 
paying attention to hearing care and to integrating it as part of uh, national health services and national health systems, not just at the uh, at the tertiary level or you know at the level of very specialized services or even at the secondary level of care, but really to integrate it starting across the continuum of care. So starting from primary health services uh, and in all age groups, so for children, for adults, for older adults. So the focus is twofold. On one hand, to raise awareness within the communities, and on the other hand, uh, to raise awareness with policymakers. So if you look at the World Hearing Day and our materials, there you would usually find them uh, structured like that. We have infographics with a lot of data, information, strategies, uh, and so on and so forth, the target of, of which uh, are policymakers and our partners, people who observe the day, are the ones who take these messages, organize events uh, with policymakers within their countries, within their regions, and so on, to bring the messages to them. And the second target are really, is really the population at large, to whom we reach out through uh, our WHO social media channels, but also very importantly, through our um, collaborators who work within communities in different countries across the world. Yes, you're talking about collaborations. And as I was looking through the website, I noticed that the uh, World Health Organization for World Hearing Day uh, invites applicants for uh, funding opportunities. Um, can you talk a little bit about that for those individuals who might be interested uh, in something like this? Sure. So, like I said, the the purpose of World Hearing Day is really to use this day, one day, to create noise, well, unintended there, uh, about hearing across the world. And we encourage our partners to reach out to whichever section of the society they can reach out to. And to support some of them in planning their outreach activities that may be in the form of an uh, advocacy event or an awareness raising event, um, could be a, a screening program or a school, um, you know, kind of uh, hearing camp or something like that. It, it varies. Uh, we ask people that if they need support, we can offer a very like small support to them. Uh, this these are grants of eight hundred dollars, so that's why it's called small grant because that is uh, what the amount is. But it does go a little bit of the way, and, and in some places a longer way than others uh, to to support the organizations. This grant is actually being provided. The, these grants are actually being provided not by WHO directly, but by um, another partner that we have, the Coalition for Global Hearing Health. Um, so the coalition provides these grants, and WHO is one of the contributors to, to this grant that is provided. But it's really the purpose is simply to provide some support to those partners who are planning their awareness or advocacy activities and who uh, want to apply and 
uh, get some support. There is an application process and then an evaluation process. And uh, this is all available online. So for this year, the small grants is closed, uh, but we usually do it every year. So it will come around again next year. Well, uh, thank you for sharing that information. And, and as you pointed out, you know, you know, the amount may not be large, but even a small amount will help, particularly if you're doing some sort of a community awareness or if you're in a, uh, for example, a, uh, a third world country, um, you know, may provide uh, transportation or meals or something like that for those individuals uh, who are participating. So thank you for sharing that. One thing that I've always wondered, so I'll, I'll ask uh, selfishly here for from my perspective, is you know we've noticed over the last couple of, of, of decades or so that the ear has become more of a point of discussion as it relates to overall health. At the World Health Organization, have you seen perhaps that the hearing health component has taken more of a step towards the top of priorities for uh, you know global global overall health. So, um, the short answer to your question, of course, is uh, yes, indeed, this is so. I think there are um, multiple factors which are driving this. Firstly, of course, is the growing need, but. More than the growing need, it is the realization of the growing need. And this is due to data, which is, of course, uh, on one hand published by the WHO, but then also published by, uh, by others like the Global Burden of Disease Study. So it is um, the realization of the high need. I think it has also been the the fact that we are, have been able in this field to provide all the clinical solution. We have the possibility to address hearing loss of any degree. If where people, um, we also have the possibility for people to learn sign language and communicate through that, but also of hearing aids and implants and so on and so forth. And the demonstrated success of these outcomes is what is uh, really responsible for uh, for bringing this into the limelight, so to say. So that is uh, just to say what could be driving this uh, increasing awareness. But how we evidence it through the fact that um, in recent years, in 2017 actually, and in the couple of years preceding that, um, the countries, you know, at the World Health Organization, we have a UN body, and all of the countries uh, that are members of the United Nations, they're also members of the WHO, and their ministries of health, the ministers of health, secretaries of health, uh, they're the ones who sit on the, uh, on the board and in the World Health Assembly, which is the decision-making body. So over uh, 2015 to 2017, what we saw was this increasingly the questions being asked by countries uh, regarding what is WHO doing about it and uh, asking for the extent of the problem and so on. And this then 
led to a resolution being adopted by the World Health Assembly in 2017, which called really for action uh, on ear and hearing care, asking also WHO to do certain actions and also outlining steps which countries need to take. So that has really been, um, that is uh, sort of the evidence uh, for saying that this is moving up the ladder of priorities uh, for sure. Um, I think uh, the fact that we have in the recent years had, had some fantastic publications uh, and are expecting to get more like the Lancet uh, Commission on Hearing. Uh, there is a Lancet Commission on Hearing and we expect to have the report of that uh, later this year. So these are also developments which show that this is increasingly uh, being accepted as a public health priority. One of the things that we are wrestling with here in the States is, you know, we have a, and we talked a little bit about this, we have a shortage of providers. And the question becomes, you know, should hearing care only be provided by ENTs and audiologists? Should we actually consider reaching out and extending, if, if you will, an olive branch to other communities? You pointed out speech language pathologist earlier as a possibility. Uh, hearing uh, aid specialist or hearing, hearing instrument specialist. Do you think in order to meet the needs of these individuals and meet the demand that that should be something that we as a community need to embrace? Absolutely. Uh, again, short answer. Absolutely, yes. Because there is no way that uh, the handful of ENT specialists or or audiologists, or even speech-language pathologists are going to address the needs of millions and hundreds of millions of people. So this is something that WHO is very, um, very clear about. And uh, in the World Report on Hearing that I mentioned earlier, uh, we outline, like I, I said, the the availability, we map the availability of human resources. Uh, and we also show through this report and linked publications, what would it cost? How many uh, doctors, how many doctors or audiologists would we need in an, in an example uh, if, or to cater to the needs of the entire population? If all of them were seeking services, we could not cater to that need given the resources, the human resources that we currently have. So the World Health Organization for this uh, has a term which is called task sharing. And we go much into this uh, into this approach, task sharing, in the report, where we talk about who can we share these tasks with, how, and also how it needs to be done in a very logical way. Because it's not about uh, simply, you know, taking the tasks and shifting it to do to somebody else and uh, saying, okay, teach somebody else to do an audiometry or a hearing aid fitting or a, or a surgery or something. It's really about considering what are the, uh, what are the um, steps or what are the interventions that can be provided by, by, by professionals, by healthcare providers who have lower training needs or lower educational needs 
as compared to a fully trained ENT or an audiologist or a speech language pathologist. So that is the kind of uh, uh, approach that this presents. And as a matter of fact, in consideration or, or in support of this approach, which WHO strongly um, promotes, uh, we have just, we are launching on volunteering day this year, uh, a training resource, a training manual, which is for a primary level service providers. So these may be uh, general practitioners or they may be trained health workers and so on. So it is about how to train them uh, in identifying common ear diseases, in identifying hearing loss in the community, addressing those needs which can be addressed in the community and then referring those that require uh, specialist intervention. So identifying also those who need those that specialist care and directing them in the right uh, direction. So we are just um, going to launch this now and we will in the coming years also be proposing uh, a service delivery model for hearing aid, which is uh, specifically for a uh, resource limited setting where services to some people who need uh, these devices can actually be provided without that highly trained, highly specialized uh, human resources that normally provide the, this care. So we're developing that model and more about that in the coming, uh, in the coming month. It's, again, it's very exciting and, uh, you know, it's, uh, audiology is in an interesting place given its evolution. And, uh, you know, having resources uh, and data to support it like the World Health Organization provides uh, will get us onto the right path and allow us to, to meet the needs of, of the individuals who are uh, struggling with hearing loss. And before we wrap up here, uh, just a couple of things if, if we can. Number one, uh, health literacy is probably a big portfolio component of the World Health Organization given that you have industrialized countries and then you have third world countries. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of health literacy? So when you talk, say health literacy, of course, you mean uh, within the general population. That's right. Correct. Yeah. So absolutely, I, I agree that there is health literacy is a big component of, of the work that we do. And what we need to do as well to make sure that the demand side of uh, of hearing care is uh, kind of supported and augmented. Um, and yes, it forms a bit big part of the work that we do. We that is why we also observe the World Hearing Day as a part of our uh, campaign to raise awareness on on hearing loss, on uh, its prevention, and so on. We also have certain uh, specific initiatives that look at at a specific issue. So we have, for example, the Make Listening Safe Initiative, uh, which is really about preventing hearing loss that is, uh, or mitigating the risk of hearing loss that is caused by listening to loud sounds. So for example, music over your headphones at loud levels or for long periods of time. Uh, and also in entertainment venues and, and so on. And it's a lot about 
about informing people, educating them why this is a risk, what is a risk, how, how can it be addressed, and also about providing them with the tools. So health literacy is really the, the core of health promotion because we need to, uh, need to inform, raise awareness, educate people so as to drive behavior change and to drive those behaviors or, or those actions that we would like people to have. So the last question that I have is how, if, if I had a clinic today and I was not um, doing all of the things I needed to do to increase my awareness of, of hearing healthcare, to um, increase increase the preventative aspects of hearing healthcare, modifiable risk factors and what have you. What would you tell me? What would you tell the average audiologist that the World Health Organization provides in order to help them with these messages? So thanks for that question. It is my favorite one. Um, because I think whether we are working in a clinic, in a big hospital, or, or providing services in a community, all of us have to play a role in this uh, effort to raise awareness, to inform, to educate, to make sure that people access services and also to uh, provide services. So, and, and I would say that one of the simplest things that we can do as, uh, as ear and hearing care professionals is really to inform people, not just to um, well, address their clinical needs, of course, because that's what uh, we are trained to do, but then also make sure that we raise awareness amongst them about, about, the, about the need for prevention, how to prevent hearing loss not in their own, um, when they may already have hearing loss, but also in their families, in their communities, how to become also um, proponents of those messages. And we can do that very simply in a way by making sure this information is available in clinic. So you could have flyers, you could have uh, posters, banners, you could also have certain uh, you know, videos and so on playing. And WHO does make these resources available to, to people. So for example, let's say, uh, uh, a parent comes to you um, with her whole hearing loss, but she's also the parent of a child. If she sees a flyer which includes the milestones of hearing, speech, and language development, it may spur her to think, oh, my niece or my child or ex, my neighbor's child, doesn't really come up to this, uh, uh, is not, uh, does not show these milestones. So, may encourage that person to bring that child for for a, for an examination uh, and similarly for it may spur them to think more about why they're uh, uh, you know older adults in their uh, homes or in places that they uh, visit are not engaging so well with them in conversation and so on and encourage them to bring them to the uh, clinic so uh, i would say that that is the the thing that all of us as people working in this field we uh, we can consider doing for sure without too much of additional effort um the other things we 
could do is really reaching out into the community. So providing care, of course, to the people who come to the clinics. But then what I realized uh, while working in India and what drove me to public health was the realization that the people who actually come to us in clinics, it, it's the tip of the iceberg. The wider body of the iceberg is really in the community. So, and we have to go out to seek them. So you could have outreach programs, maybe a few times in a year, maybe on World Hearing Day. And, and if you are so motivated, then a couple of other days. Um, and for those who work also in academic settings uh, and, and so on, I think it's important for us to also research these aspects, research public health aspects of hearing and we focus a lot on clinical developments, as we should, no, not denying the importance of that. But I think it's important for us as clinicians to realize the, the value of integrating public health into our research, into the teaching and education of, of the audiologists, of ENTs, and, and so on, um, and, and making sure that we bring this to limelight too talk about it in conferences, through through interviews or webcasts, podcasts, and so on. So include that public health perspective, both in our clinical work, our uh, research work, and our academic work as well. So that's sorry uh, that I'm so long with that message. No, I, I think it's an important message to have, and I think it's one that we sometimes overlook because we get so ingrained in the 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 everyday nuances that we sometimes forget that there's a there's a uh, there's an extended group of individuals that could benefit from our help and we're just not reaching them. So thank you very much. Now, is there anything that I have forgotten that you wanted to add uh, uh, before I close this out? No, thank you. It's been um, it's been really nice talking to you. I just have um, one message. The World Hearing Day is coming up on 3rd of March. Uh, well, it's, it's there now on 3rd of March, and uh, it is observed every year on 3rd of March. Uh, as we mentioned previously, we started uh, over 10 years ago, and uh, last time we had about 100 countries and over uh, 500 people in different, so over these Hundred countries, five hundred organizations organizing activities and events. Um, so I invite you all, all the viewers and listeners of this uh, webcast, to please join this, join this movement, and to become a part of this as a way of contributing to global hearing health. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Shelley. What we will do is we will make those uh, links and and uh, um, available to the viewers that they can click and, and, and go see. And uh, again, thank you so much for your time, uh, for your uh, sharing of information. I, uh, I learned a lot and uh, we look forward to having you on uh, down the road. And, uh, um, you know, I, uh, uh, again, uh, really appreciate all of the public health um, uh, things that the World Health Organization does uh, on a global scale to uh, help individuals, you know, live a, a live a better life. So thank you very much. Thank you to you, Aline.